0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talked to Paul Edmonds, voice of the Jets, ahead of Wednesday's gigantic game against the Calgary Flames. And also, we will talk with Doug Brown, Blue Bomber color commentator, because Simon Fraser University, his alma mater, decided to just gas their football program. What the heck? We'll find out why on the podcast. We welcome in the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Paul Edmonds, ahead of tomorrow's giant clash with the Calgary Flames. I imagine, Paul, you'll be watching the Flames game tonight.
1: Yeah, I put it in for uh, 8 o'clock central time start. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to kind of sit back and watch it. I try to watch as much hockey as I possibly can. But um, being a dad of a couple of kids that play, I'm kind of pulled into hockey rinks on some of those nights that I'm off so uh, I'll enjoy it tonight because for the most part hockey is done for our kids.
0: How'd they do this year?
1: Uh, pretty good yeah no um, we had uh, my daughter's U18 team won uh double a AA championship so she went right to the end and it was good for her and uh, she played high school this year and uh, they got the program back up and running on the girls side so that was good and um, my uh, youngest guy uh, ended up playing this weekend in POE, so it um, was good for him, and uh, good for all of us. I mean, listen, I mean, it's a lot of people know this, and I'm not just uh, speaking of whatever level the kids are at, but I mean, for parents that have kids in hockey at whatever age and whatever level, it's kind of your social scene, right? So for us, that's exactly what it is. We've made a lot of good friends through sports and hockey and baseball and soccer with the kids over the years, and that will continue for a few more, and one thing I will say to you, we will we will lament the days when uh, it's over, and that's coming uh, closer to uh, an end than it is uh, to a beginning. So um, we just try to enjoy uh, every time they they take to the field of the ice, and uh, we let them do what they need to do, and just try to support them both emotionally and
0: financially Christian yes hockey is an expensive sport and uh, then they become beer leaguers like me in my postseason which begins this week at the Highlander in the lowest men's division that they have so we look ahead to tomorrow's big game Paul and I was trying to rack my brain to think of when was the last regular season game to have this much juice in Winnipeg obviously there were no fans the, the last time the Jets made the playoffs but I couldn't really think of an answer. Was it back in 2018? Was it 2019? It's been a while.
1: Well, I think that you'd probably, from a jockeying standpoint in positioning, you could go back to those days. But I think one of the juice days was, uh, I think 1415 when they came down to like the second last day, or, or it was a game against Calgary in game 82. I think they had to kind of go in and win it, and that. They ended up playing, and somebody else had beaten somebody. So this is my recollection, of course. Um, they were already in. They didn't back their way in, but somebody had did them a favor on the out-of-town scoreboard. So I think it goes back to that first year that they made the playoffs in the regular season. I also remember that, too, because Game 82, with them already being in, was Andrew Cox's first ever game as a Winnipeg Jet, and they knocked off a year off his ELC that year. Um, so he played one game, had one year knocked off when he came out of Michigan and then ended up playing the next two years on an ELC before he was a restricted free agent but I just kind of remember those in succession it was an important year for them to get in that year and it was Paul Maurice's first full year as the head coach and the first time that the franchise since relocation had made the playoffs and then of course they got in against Anaheim and ended up losing in four games I also remember that series because the Jets had leads in that series ended up losing in overtime a couple of times or or late in games. So all of that kind of runs together, uh, but it's been a long time as you suggest uh, between regular season games that have this kind of uh, importance or this kind of crucial nature to it.
0: Of course it goes to, I mean, we have to point out that the jets, we didn't think they'd be in this position two and a half months ago that it would come down to a game in April for them to just get into the playoffs. But nonetheless, here they are. They still control their own fate because mainly they've scored 12 goals in their last two games. They've looked more like the the Jets we saw in the first half of the season. From your point of view, what's been the biggest difference the last couple nights in how they've played?
2: Well, I
1: think that uh, they realized that maybe rock bottom was certainly not necessarily the way they played, but the result in San Jose. I mean, by every mathematical metric that you can measure the game of hockey and the application of, of math to it in numbers, they outplayed San Jose, yet they come out with a three nothing loss. And so I think that maybe there was, you know, the problems that they had between being on the same page and the accusations that then maybe there was a bit of a issue with what was going on between what the coach wanted and what players were doing And then, of course, they got together and talked it out. And then they made some alterations to not the lineup per se, but how we see the line configurations. And Mark Scheifele goes over with Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's brand new. Maybe it's a bit of a genesis from that emotional standpoint. Hey, I'm going to get some points here. And then you get a goal from Mark Scheifele to get to 39, a career high. And he's probably going to find his way into one more here in the next five games to get to 40 for the first time. Uh, You also, I think, invigorate Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and Kyle Connor, knowing that this is a guy that's one of your best players on the team that can either shoot or distribute, doesn't mind getting in along the wall and and winning puck battles when he when he decides that you know cutbacks are good for him, and he's pretty good at that and then Blake Wheeler looks reinvigorated as well and energized from. Ladislav Nemestikov coming into the middle. And then there's the synergies between, you know, the the sort of two Euro players in Nemestikov, although he would more consider himself to be American than a European, with Nikolai Ehlers. And that seems to be really working. And then you take some pressure off Nito Niederreiter and drop him down and put him over to his natural side with, with Adam Lowry and, and Mason Appleton. So that line starts to go when they find their way into some offense. And the fourth line's done everything but score you know, the last couple of games. So I think what happens is you make these changes and then they start to work out and then goal scorers need to score. I mean, these guys that are paid to put offense on the board are only feeling good about the game when you're putting offense on the board. Well, we've had a lot of it the last two games uh, downtown. We've seen 12 goals scored in total and and only less than a handful of goals given up defensively, so that for me has been the the biggest change is changing the lines a little bit, uh, not mixing up a whole lot, but moving some pieces around and seeing if you've got some chemistry. I think the one big thing too about Shifley going over to that top line is that this is nothing new in playing with Kyle Connor and Pierre Luc Dubois, even you know going back uh, historically between Shifley and Connor, but more specifically this year because they're part and have been part of the number one power play unit all year so it's not like these guys are just fashioning something together and trying to find some quick chemistry they've had it all year for the most part when it comes to the power play now i know we could make an argument here in a non-contrarian fashion about how the power play has kind of let them down over the last period where they've struggled and have these scuffles but overall there is familiarity between these players
2: together
0: yeah amidst the the good there's still the power play they did get a goal towards the end of the last game but since the all-star break still only 13.5 percent on the man advantage is not very good and from your perspective what's been the biggest issue because it's they've got the talent there but for some reason it hasn't clicked though it seems like they've had better power plays of late that just haven't produced produced goals compared to for so many games where they just they got nothing on the power play
1: Well, for me, it was just a matter of just being way too stationary at times. I mean, the old rule on the power play, Christian, is one of two things need to happen, and preferably both. Either you've got to move quickly with the puck, or the puck has to move quickly. And if you're not doing either, then it's really easy to defend and set up in that box and wait for a bubble and then pressure, right, if you're the defending team. So I just kind of feel that they've moved the puck with more efficiency and and with more quickness. And then they're not afraid to shoot the puck up top. Neil Pionk certainly has done that. And I think that Josh Morrissey has been encouraged again to shoot the puck from up top. But also, I think the presence in the middle. It's great to sit up, you know, and and be on the flanks and and one-time pucks. And hopefully the seam pass gets through. But that's easy to defend with a stick in the lane as well. So if you can then add on to something more in the middle in that slot area, well, that maybe mo- that opens up other opportunities, whether it's down low and then back out in front, low to high, shot from the point, or even that one-timer from the flank. So I think that the power play has started to improve a little bit. Uh, we've seen some goals, not as many as they would like in the last few games. Um I guess based on the fact that they've just been quicker at uh, at moving the puck and and distributing it around and then getting the defensive box to move and getting the goaltender to move. Um, So we'll see what happens. I mean, you want a better penalty kill than you do a power play. If you had your druthers going into the postseason on the specialty teams, ideally you want both. Uh, But I think that if you can take some pressure off your 5v5 scoring by scoring a power play goal here and there, as the Jets did with frequency um, prior to, I guess, the break in February, then that's only going to bode well for you in, in your pursuit of trying to provide a gateway to
0: the postseason over the next five games. What's your scattering report on the Calgary Flames?
1: Well, a team that's got four straight wins and at home tonight, I mean, this is a game, is it a trap game? I guess you could maybe label it that, but I don't think there is such a thing anymore uh, when it comes down to understanding where you are and what you need to do. I think you just kind of soldier along. The Calgary Flames are are certainly led by some guys that have some offense and Tyler Toffoli and Jonathan Huberdeau hasn't had the year that he would like, but he's still dangerous. And, you know they're tough and they're big and they're rugged. And Milan Lucic, I think, will be heard from tomorrow and in a few certain ways. I, I wonder where this game gets to tomorrow. Um, if there's some intimidation tactics to try to be, uh, you know, thrown out. Uh, Winnipeg is at home. I think they'll be able to answer anything thrown at them. But you know, Calgary is a team that uh, sometimes you wonder what kind of goaltending you're going to get from them. And I think Winnipeg can funnel pucks and get uh, some net front traffic, as they have done a better job of lately, Then they should be able to maybe try to knock on the door of of Jacob Markstrom and, and, and score some goals. So, you know, Calgary, though, four straight wins coming in, an opportunity to make it five straight. They would feel real good about themselves coming in here tomorrow uh, if they were able to knock off the Chicago Blackhawks tonight and get to an even situation at points with the Jets. Now, they wouldn't have the tiebreaker, of course. You know, essentially it's a 3 Point lead for the Winnipeg Jets right now because Calgary would need to supersede them and not be in a tie because the Jets would have the first tiebreaker, and that's based on regular season wins uh, and and wins uh, in regulation. Um, But overall, I think Calgary is formidable right now. They're probably playing some of their most consistent and best hockey, and that's uh, despite the fact that there's a lot of rumors that they don't like their coach.
0: (laughs) I'm curious, before I let you go, our colleague, Hustler Patterson of Winnipeg Sports Talk, he hates the Wave just with a passion, despises it, and the Wave was going around when the Jets were up big in Sunday's game over the New Jersey Devils. Yep. Do you hate the Wave? Do you like the Wave? Your thoughts on the Wave, Paul Edmonds?
1: Well, I have never had a problem with the Wave. Um, do people like Huss think it's old and antiquated and should be mothballed? I guess so that's, that's his opinion. Now, he is a season ticket holder as well, so he's entitled to that opinion from uh, multiple uh, you know, facets of, of where he sits, literally. But I think if you pay your money to go to watch the Winnipeg Jets play or the Manitoba Moose or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, whoever it is, and you want to wave, you can get up and wave.
0: I'm with you on that one. You paid money, do what you want to do. Just be respectful of everyone around you and everyone gets home safe. Paul, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. We'll see you at the game tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, no problem. Anytime, Christian. Thanks a lot. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Today, Simon Fraser University announced the end of its varsity football program. The program that's been around since the 1960s, 57 years it's over. And a man who was a part of that program at one point is our very own Doug Brown, CJOB's color analyst for Blue Bomber Broadcast. Doug, did this news hit you like a surprise today? What What was your immediate reaction when you heard this was happening?
2: Yeah, you know, it it was a bit of a blindside, uh, largely just because, uh, you know, those of us that um, you know, are alumnus of the university and follow the football program, we understood that after 2023 that the the university program was going to be looking for a new association uh, to play in. And, uh, you know, we weren't sure what that was going to be. We expected it would probably be back in uh, the CIS with the Canadian university sports teams, which they had already priorly really, uh done when they uh, had uh, a situation in the NAIA where they left playing American football down South. So, um you know we knew after this season that there was going to be an issue but there was absolutely zero communication with the uh, alumni um there were no rumors uh, all of a sudden today your your phone just starts blowing up and uh people are like yeah what's your comment on the fact that you know, the university's football team is is gone and uh it, it really uh you know get to get blindsided like that first of all you feel a lot for those uh those athletes that were a part of that football team that had a meeting today with their coach and told you know that their program doesn't exist anymore but you know i've been on uh, on the side of a few you know fundraising solutions where they've reached out to the alumni and we've all given money and you know the, the team's had some crises before that we've all pitched in and, and rallied around it and and uh, managed to uh, to keep things going. But this time there was no communication in that regard that there was even anything wrong, you know, uh, outside of what they were going to have to do in terms of rescheduling and finding another place to play in, in 2024. So this kind of hit a lot of guys uh, out of nowhere, and uh, we were wondering why we weren't reached out or, or uh, consulted with in terms of what we could do to help or or support the program.
0: So you went to Simon Fraser University back in the '90s when it was part of the NAIa. Uh, what was it like to be the Canadian team in that tier? Yeah, I mean
2: it was really cool. Um, you know, one of the uh, the most novel things of my uh, my entire football career. So when I came to the CFL in 2001, I'd actually, in effect, never played Canadian football before. And uh, as a Canadian who grew up in Canada, in British Columbia, you know, and played a little bit of high school football as well as university, that was quite a, a unique route to take. And it, it gave you different exposure, I think, as an athlete. Obviously, it helped uh, my first uh, four years in, in in the NFL down south. Having that, uh, that background, just playing uh, the NFL-style four-down football, gave you a little bit of a leg up than you would have had you been uh, – uh, played uh, Canadian University football prior to that, but yeah, it was unique for for this school, and uh, you know, uh, I think a point of pride for a lot of athletes that went there, and the fact that they were they were uh, competing and playing against uh, some uh, really upper echelon talent in uh, in uh, the United States.
0: So, for those who don't know, like Doug said, sixty five to two thousand and one, they were in the NAIa. They competed in Canada West from o two to o nine. They went to the Great Northwest Conference from 2010 to 2021 in NCAA Division II before this past year going to the Lone Star Conference. They have not done well in the United States uh, as part of the NCAA Division II, an 18 and 99 record overall. And so was the the issue here that the conference didn't want them anymore, or was it just that this conference has kind of just fallen on hard times and didn't want to renew their their license in that, and it's just football. They have other, all their other varsity programs are also playing in the in Division II as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, that besides the point why you know that that conference is no longer a viable uh, uh, source for football for SFU going forward, it's the fact that there weren't any other avenues explored other than let's just end the football program. Right, one of the most storied. Uh, Canadian universities in in college football in Canada that has uh, you know there was a a time where SFU had placed more players in the Canadian Football League than any other university in Canada. And um, you know you, you look down some of the you know guys like Luli Pasaglia, Bob Mall, uh, Sean Millington, Glenn Jackson, Julio Carvada, Rick House. I mean the, the list just goes on and on. These are all SFU football players. That contributed to the, uh, the the heritage and history of the Canadian Football League, and uh, you know because they weren't competitive in a in a conference over a period of time, they didn't explore any other avenues, and they just d- decided uh, to extinguish uh, such a long storied and proud football uh, organization. And it's uh, there's a lot of alumnus right now that that went to Sam Fraser. Uh, even ones that didn't play football that are they're up in arms right now, and it'll be interesting what uh, what comes of this in terms of uh, consequences for for such a um, a decision that was made without uh, the consultation of of so many groups that have a keen interest in in this football program.
0: It would be great if they came to the Canada West Conference and, and U sports. Uh, Dan Barnes, Canadian or uh, Post Media, pardon me. He confirmed today through U Sports that they have a policy prohibiting dual membership. So if football wanted to join, then every varsity sport would have to join. And currently 18 varsity sports playing in Division 2.
2: That's actually not true because they do make exceptions. So I believe the University of British Columbia, actually their baseball team, uh, is a team that is not in uh, Canada. So they do allow exceptions is what I'm trying to say. Um, there are, if they are approached. I mean, that is their rule, but they do currently have teams uh, that you know are, are, are part of uh, the, the CIS landscape. And, and but there are uh, individual teams that do not participate in that in that construct that are allowed to play. So that is the rule, but they would uh, they do allow exceptions to the rule, and that's been. Um, that's been demonstrated, and uh, there's a lot of talk that they, you know, football, uh, a Canadian football program as storied as the one that was at Simon Fraser University, is not one that they uh, would likely turn down if uh, requested to make an exception. The whole point of this argument and this unrest is the fact that uh, the administrators at Simon Fraser University never made, never made that attempt to find out whether they. Uh, you know would make that exception or not it's just the fact that it was just lazy it was short sighted and there was no attempt to see whether uh, exception would be made for uh for the football program up on burnaby mountain
0: yeah ubc baseball part of the cascade collegiate conference which is part of the naia as well the have you talked to former teammates or a oh, fellow yeah. alumnus today <laughs> what what's how's that gone
2: you know like i said i was uh, i was literally just driving home from work and i had no idea and, uh, you know, you don't pay attention to your phone when you're driving, but my goodness was mine making a lot of noises. So I pulled over to the side of the road and, uh, yeah, I checked my email, I checked my text messages, and, uh, you know, everyone from you know, Farhan Lalji, who wasn't even a, a, an SFU football player. Uh, He's a guy, obviously, that, that built his uh, broadcasting uh, uh, legacy at, at SFU and moved to TSN. Uh, I talked to Abi Khan. Um, there, there's a number of guys that uh, I've spoken with and we've reached out and uh, everyone's just kind of in shock about the situation because, quite frankly, we didn't see it coming because we were never told until until the ax was swung.
0: Seems like this isn't the end of this story and that there's, there's <laughs> got to be some kind of possibility other than just, you know, it's April and I guess the players on this team now have... A little bit of time to go find a new spot if they want to keep playing football, but it, it, I don't know when the, the right timing for this would have been. I guess the right timing is never, but it's, it seems like it's being mishandled.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's it. it I mean, just the steps that have, like the shrumble came back last year. People obviously in Manitoba don't know what the shrumble is, but that's the massive rivalry game between Simon Fraser University and University of British Columbia, which also has big massive football program in BC, they just renewed that rivalry. And uh, UBC won by one point, you know. So it it shows you that SFU would be a very competitive football team if back in in the CIS. And uh, there's a new stadium at, at, at Simon Fraser University. Obviously, it's used for multiple sports. But, you know, when I was there, we never played on campus. They have a campus stadium now. Not a stadium in the traditional sense of where uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play, but quite impressive for, uh, for collegiate standards for sure in Canada. So all these things, all these signs were indicating that you know things were going to be changing, but they were pointing in a positive direction. And then the rug just got pulled out uh, from underneath uh, the entire football program and all of its uh, alumnus and supporters today.
0: Well, wishing happier times for your alma mater doug and we'll see what happens with this but it's not a great day for canadian university football appreciate you making time to come on the show tonight to talk about it
2: hey buddy thanks for having me on man yeah it's a, it's a sad day but i can tell you this there's a bunch of guys that are going to fight to uh to see if there's anything due to uh to uh you know affect uh you know what may be a, a final opportunity
0: well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Joe podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the this So sad that it should come to this We try to
2: warn you all of You may not share our intellect Which might explain your misery